is Mana Ministries, it's module 13.3, the sufficiency of his presence. Okay, tonight we're going to read first of all from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 through to verse 10. And I'm reading from the NIV, the New International Version, or as I like to refer to it, the North Island Version. So we're talking about the sufficiency of God's presence. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Let's say that together. My My grace grace is sufficient sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's a great passage of Scripture. And uh, it is the answer, God's faith answer, because it takes faith to believe that. It takes faith to apply that. It takes faith to enjoy that. Um, Because we all go through difficulties. And here was something that Paul wanted to overcome, but God said, no, that's how it is. I'm not taking that away from you. I'm just going to leave it there for this season of time, for this season of time, and my grace will be sufficient for you. And uh, so he says, when you find yourself in positions of weakness or inability or difficulty, we just need to know that we know that God has a measure of his ability that is sufficient to meet that particular need and to carry you through that season. Yeah? Carry you through that season. And uh, so Paul said, okay, I'm just going to call on God's grace and I'm going to believe God that his grace is sufficient for me. Um, And and therefore he said, "It's, it's okay if I don't get it all right. It's okay if there's times where I am weak. It's okay if I don't get it all together. It's okay if I can't fulfill this thing that I want to do right now. I believe that God will help me and come through for me uh, in the end. And the more, uh, the, the, the Living Bible, that last phrase, when I am weak, then I am strong. The Living Bible says it like this. It says, the less I have... The less that I have, the more I depend upon him. And right there is a a real key to great Christian living. We don't have to have it all together. In fact, we never will have it all together. We won't have it all together all the time. And for most of us, we don't have it all together hardly any of the time. But he does, and he lives in us. Hallelujah. And he... That, you know, when, when you don't know how to do something, that's when you invite his presence 
and his help. If you think you could slight the tennis player the other night, if I think I can handle it all, well, I don't need to pray. Most Christians, most Christians, hear me, in New Zealand, if they didn't pray for a month, it probably wouldn't make any difference to their life whatsoever. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but they're not. They're sailing through on their own. They can do everything themselves, which means we're living below our potential. But if we stretch out to achieve and we stretch out to fulfill the will of God, and we stretch out to witness, then it can all turn to custard real quick, and we need his presence, yes? And we need his power, and the less I have, the more I depend upon him. And you know, you, you, you people, we've all lived long enough to know that we pray best, and we want God's help when we're in trouble, when we can't do it. If we're sailing, fine, leave this to me, it's fine. And we're all good. Uh, I, when I moved to Auckland, I, I, all, I wanted to go sailing. And I never didn't have a clue how to sail. And so some, when I'm, we moved to Auckland, um, I, we went out somewhere for a picnic somewhere. And, and, and this guy had this yacht. And I said, oh, man, I'd like to have a go at that. He said, oh, come on, I'll show you how to do it. And he said, you can have my yacht for a while. Why don't you take it? Because we just live just above Waiaki Beach, Torbay. And so we were right there. And she said, you have that, you, you know, and, and see if you can teach yourself how to say it. So uh, I thought, well, okay, I'll do that. So what did I do? I had no idea. So I got a book out of the library, learned to sail. <laughs> and, and so we had this thing. But you know what? I was pretty good if it was just a light wind heading in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> And the boat sort of stayed upright. But if a gust of wind came from some direction I wasn't expecting, she was all over Rover. And I thought, oh, no, that didn't work. Go back and read the book again. <laughs> and slowly I learned enough to stay in the boat long enough to enjoy it. And then my eldest son and I, we brought a lacy yacht, which is a little yacht. Just put up the thing under there quick. You're either on the water or in the water, you know, there. Great little boats, you learn to sail. But again, you know, anybody can sail. Most people can sail the thing in good conditions. But boy, when you got out there and the wind came up and she was a bit harsh, and I remember I went out there by myself and I was out in the bay there and scudding along very fine, but the wind had changed direction and it was an offshore wind and I couldn't get back into shore. In the summertime, so I'm coming back into Torbay, but I had to tack, and I wasn't making any progress in scaring the living daylights out of the swimmers, you know? <laughs> but, but, and life's like this. When we need help, we turn to God. The less I have, the more I depend upon him. But here Paul says his grace is sufficient. When we face difficult circumstances where we are unable to gain the victory by ourselves, then God's provision is that measure of grace, Holy Spirit ability, sufficient to meet the need. I've defined grace, grace as God's supernatural ability in place of our inability. Grace, the, grace is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to do what you can't do. And, and so... Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. He is within you. When you receive Jesus as your Saviour and Lord, 
The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God comes within you and begins to live, joins with your spirit. The two become one and you are born again of the Spirit of God. And then from then on, your spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit instructs your spirit and your spirit needs to begin to instruct your soul how to live. And your soul instructs your body. So your brain tells your body what to do and it does it, hopefully, most of the time. And, um, but you, you live out of your spirit from then on. And uh, so we begin to learn how to listen to the spirit and, 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 and learn to live from the inside out. And uh, so that's a very important thing. So the Holy Spirit is within us. And, that, and God's grace is, is the Holy Spirit's ability in place of your inability, you see. That's what the grace of God is. Uh, last week we talked about 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of Christ and not of ourselves. Uh, Louis Bob says, anybody can see the, that the power within us is, is God and not just <coughs> you. And we get to that point where we find out that God begins to, the Spirit of God begins to do things through us and, and other people say, well, wow. We, you know, it's God within us. John 1 verse 16, of his fullness have we all received. So the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ, and Christ is in you. And so of his fullness have we all received, as we were talking last week. Colossians 2.10 says, we are complete in him. Yes? Hallelujah. In other words, we, we have got all of God that we're going to get. Um, so we, we just need to be able to enjoy him and not fret. Come in, sir. Dive in. And uh, so, so, you know, um, anyway, we don't want to recap too much of, of last week's. The abiding presence of the Holy Spirit is sufficient for every need. Amen? Amen. He is the champion of life and we need to yield to him. It is not a matter of getting more of him because you've got all you're going to get. If you've got the spirit of the Father and the spirit of the Son and the spirit of the Holy Spirit within you, uh, you're not going to need a whole lot more, let's face it. Not only that, you're not going to get any more. The key is yielding to the Holy Spirit within us so that what we can't do, his grace is sufficient for us. Whether it's a trial we are walking through, whether it's sickness we are walking through, whether it is uh, uh, just a challenge to our life, whether it is an opportunity that scares the living daylights out of us. But, wow, if we can get through there and, and grasp that opportunity, and it's going to be great. And so it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit within us, that enables us to do what we can't do. And I've seen him in my life do amazing things over and over and over again. Um, in the, uh, hands up those who, who use the word for today. Anyone do that? There's a few of us. Well, you would have read yesterday, or today, this morning, if you read it, Acts 13 and verse 43, which says this. It says this. Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So here is Paul in Antioch, and he is preaching, 
and telling these people how that Jesus had come and he was the Messiah and he had been crucified, he'd risen from the dead and these people were open to that and they were receiving all this and they were thrilled to bits about it and he encouraged them. And, and so it says in verse 42, Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue. The people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. And when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Would to God that would happen in Kerry, Kerry. <laughs> So here they are, you know, and he said, continue in the grace, continue trusting the Spirit of God to do that which you can't do. Walk with him. Walk with him. Listen to him. Listen to him as he speaks to you through the Bible. That he, you know, you're talking about things and all of a sudden you come across it and say, there it is. And there's a verse there for you. and It's the Spirit of God who knows you and knows we are. Continue in the grace of God. <clears throat> so that's what we're talking about. The sufficiency of his presence. My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, my presence. The Spirit of God is sufficient for everything that you will face. And boy, we, we need to relax in that. We get uptight too quickly, too easily. Too concerned about this, that, and the other. We say, Lord, you've got it all under control. You're with me? It'll be great. So I thought, well, where do, I began to think, where does the grace of God, where does the Holy Spirit come to the fore? Where do you see it? Where, where can you expect to see the Holy Spirit bringing his power, his ability into situations? Well, there's several things. The first one is at salvation. That's the simplest thing. What is it? Ephesians chapter what? 2 and verse 8 and verse 9. What does it say? Some of you will know it off by heart. I hope. For it is by... What? For it is by grace you have been saved. Yes? By grace you have been saved. Through what? Faith. In other words, you believe that God's doing stuff for you. It's by grace. How did you get saved? See, if you can work out how you got saved, that's how God operates in all other areas of our life. It's the same principles are operation. It is by grace you've been through faith. In other words, you trusted God to do what he said he would do. And this not of yourselves, it is what? It is the gift of God. Not of works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's a great scripture. You know, you've got to believe that God created you and has things ahead for you that he planned for you since, you know, since you've been around. And, and God prepared in advance for us to do. As we walk into those things in the will of God, then God opens it and his Holy Spirit ministers. So how do we get saved? By grace. See, you, you have an inability. You can't save yourself. You can't forgive your own sins. You can't, you can't become as righteous as God. It is a gift. It is by grace. It's by the Holy Spirit does that as you release your faith towards God and trust him. He does the job. You can't do that. Yeah? 
So that's as not of works, otherwise... So that's how we get that. We cannot get ourselves out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of light. It is the Holy Spirit alone that can do that. By grace you say through faith, not of yourself. Okay, so, so that's how salvation comes to us. Grace, faith. Grace and faith. Where does... Uh, uh, the, the, the grace of God operates where sin abounds. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. This is a great scripture. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness. To bring eternal life. So even, you know, we all struggle with sin, yeah? We all do dumb things. And uh, we are good at it. And, and so, you know, we, and, but here, says the Holy Spirit will admit his grace is sufficient here. Even if sin begins to increase in your life, God's grace is sufficient to forgive, to cleanse, to, to, to help you through those times. Uh, you know, um, so, so there it is. His grace is sufficient. When we have sinned, we feel so bad, we wonder if we can now come back to God. Even when sin increases in our lives, still God's grace is sufficient. His ability increases and is able to overcome our inability. Religion says, pull up your socks, try a little harder, and you will make it. You and I will never pull up our socks far enough to God's standards. Our forgiveness, our cleansing, our justification does not depend upon what we can do, but what God can do. See, Romans 6 and verse 14. Let's read it together. Here we go. One, two. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Now, you've got to say, you know, when it comes to sin... We're all going to sin. But the, the, the trick is not to let it master you. Yeah? There is a difference between sinning and having, being, having the sin thing being in control and pushing you around and you just keep going that way. Yeah? So sin shall not be master over you because we're not under law. We're under grace. Praise God. So there God, he can help us with this. Uh, look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 4 to 7. Said, you said to me, I do not even know that there's a book called Titus. Well, you will find it. Timothy, the three T's are together. Timothy, Timothy, Titus. Timothy, Timothy, Titus. It's just before Philemon. Good luck if you can find Philemon. It's after Titus, yeah. So chapter 3 and verse 4. Uh, he says here, But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. See, it's not, salvation does not come because we were good people, that we had it all together. You know, I keep saying it, the church is not a palace for saints. The church is a hospital for sinners. We come as we are. Hallelujah. We don't have to have it all together. Praise God. 
we should end up better than we were before and, and, and so on. But hey, this is how we come. He saved us, because, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So how does the washing, how does the rebirth happen? How does the renew? It comes by the Holy Spirit. We are born again of the Spirit of God. And, and we are renewed by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour. So that, having been justified by his, what? By his grace. How are we justified? By the ability of the Spirit of God to do what we can't do. We might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Hallelujah. When you sit down and think about it and just pull that together and meditate on it, it is a powerful thing and a great truth that we need to know. Romans 6. You say, well, that's great. I can go and I can sin all, all I like and it'll be fine. Well, you can, but it's not a great way to live. Grace will cover you. And so Paul, when addressing this and, and saying, look, uh, grace covers us, um, and then chapter 6 and verse 1 says, What shall we say then to this? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And so he says, uh, he says here, Okay, well then we might as well go on sinning, begs the question, so that grace might increase. He says, By no means. There's a translation called Philip's translation. And Philip's translation, he was, a, he was an Englishman. So he comes to these verses and he translates it like this. He says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? What a ghastly thought. <laughs> Exclamation mark. What a ghastly thought. No, we don't have to go keep on sinning. He gives us the victory. Hallelujah. And we keep overcoming these things and keep walking free. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Hallelujah. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay. So there's two areas. It's salvation and where sin abounds. Say, so where else can I expect to see the Holy Spirit moving in my life? In a place or a time of humility. Number three. In a time of humility, James chapter 4 and verse 6. James chapter 4 and verse 6. But he gives us more grace. Hallelujah. So what, he's talking about problems. He's talking about different things that are, that are happening that are not uh, all that good. And he says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says, therefore submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So when we find our place, ourselves in the place of humility, this is also when we find that God's grace is there for us. When you get kicked around, when you get overlooked, when you get um, slandered, when people say things about you, whether they're true or they're, they're not true, but things happen and you get rubbished 
and you are down and you are out and you feel awful and things aren't going your way, this is where the grace of God begins to function and begin to because you can't get out of it. You can't help yourself. You, you, there are things that happen and you can't answer all the accusations. You can't go to everyone that says you're a low life. You, you know, you, you can't answer it. You just got to take it. And uh, so there it is. But that's where the grace of God begins to move. When we find ourselves in a place of humility, then we are in a good place to be the recipient of God's amazing grace. If you're losing an argument, you're in a place of an argument, and you take the low road, and you let it go, and you take that place of humility, you say, all right, And you stop the argument, you stay sorry, even when it's not your problem, but you're sorry that the argument has come up. And so you're taking, and the minute you take that low road, the grace of God will function for you. He gives grace to the humble. In other words, the Holy Spirit begins to operate when we take the road of humility. Um. He will always make his special ability available to help us to handle times when we are brought low. Sometimes it is our own doing, but other times it is circumstances or even other people. And at such times we must draw on God's grace to respond well. See, very often it's not what happens that matters. It's what you do with what happens that matters. And if you have an allow and yield, and, and, and the Holy Spirit will talk to you and say, let it go. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but I can always think of the smart answer. I can always think of, the, of, of what I can say that will be put him in his place. You notice that. <laughs> you notice that, yeah. <laughs> but... There are times when we need to take the low road and let it go. Yeah. For the peace of mind. And you know, and the Holy Spirit will be talking to you. Your spirit will be talking to you. Let it go. No, I'm not. I'm angry about that. No, he said so and so. See, you're not getting away with that. And hey, this, is what I, this is what I'm saying. And this is what it is. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, come on. And you can be right, but you can be dead right. You know. It's all right, you might have the right of way when you're driving your car, but how many of you know if you just keep going, you could be dead right? You might be in the right, but you could be dead right. And so you pull back. And so it's a place of humility. And that's where the Holy Spirit begins to minister to us and helps us to, 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 to be gracious. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 and 22 says, When he was reviled, he reviled not again, but committed himself unto him who judges righteously. You've got to understand, this is the master. This is the master of life. He's being crucified. They're shouting at it. Prophesy over us. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. King of the Jew, yeah, right. You know, and, 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 and it just says when he was reviled, and this is Peter talking, he was there. He reviled not again, but he committed himself 
and that is in the present continuous tense, he kept on committing himself to him who judges righteously. And there are some things that you just have to let go. And hey, it might not just take one time saying, well, Lord, you deal with that's fine. Thank you, just leave it there, I'll go, I'm fine. No, the thing comes back about 10 seconds later. Man, I'm angry about that. And God gives us the grace to walk away or to be gracious, to leave it for another day and say, I'll come back to that later. Yeah? Why? This is Holy Spirit life. This is Jesus in us saying, don't go down that road. Remember there were the story of the, uh, of the, of the mountaineer, Swiss mountaineer was in the chalet up in the Swiss Alps and he got up in the morning and he looks across the valley and he sees this mountain goat coming down this very narrow ledge making his way down. But round the corner, as he looks over, there's another goat coming up the same path. And sure enough, round the corner they come and they see each other. And they stand there looking at each other. So man, they, in the end, they go for each other because they can't get past. So they lock horn, bang! And they're trying to throw each other off the, off the ledge. And they lock and horn, come back again, run at each other, bang, he's standing there. So I'm standing there watching this and hearing the noise, right, even right across the valley, of these two having a go. And, and, and he said, to my amazement, he said, after about 10 minutes of this, he said, one of the goats pulled back and got down on his haunches on his stomach. And the other goat walked over the top of him. Shook himself, got up, and walked on. And sometimes it takes one of us to get low enough to let the other one pass to get where we're going. And we can lock horns, and we can be in the right, but there is a time to take the low road. Amen? And the Holy Spirit allows us to do that. Even though for years... We've been on our haunches and we're going to fight for this because that's who we are and I'm not going to let anybody take advantage of me. And there's a time to stand up. I'm not saying that. There's a time to stand up. And the, but there are times where if we want to get where we're going, we just need to take the low road and let the Holy Spirit deal with the problem. And if you can do that, he's very good at dealing with these problems in other people's lives. I found if I get my sticky fingers and I'll just muck it up, because I'm not given the grace to do it. I'm not in the place of humility. But if I try and pick that up, you know. But anyway, there's the lesson. Have a think about it. But that's where he operates. Number four. He operates, the grace of God operates in times of need. Back to the book of Hebrews, chapter four. I love this. This is, this is one of my just wonderful scriptures that I just think is brilliant. Uh, we'll go back to verse 15, I think. Um, we'll go back to 14, miles as well. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but he ha we have one who has been tempted 
in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So he's saying, Jesus is a high priest. What does a priest do? A priest intercedes between God and man, yes? He stands in the gap between God and man. So Jesus is the high priest. He stands between God and us. And uh, so and it's interesting there. It says that he was tempted with everything known to mankind, yes? He, he was. I mean, you imagine Jesus is a man growing up in that area. Everybody was for him. He was surrounded by people of all sorts. And he, he had the same temptations you and I have. But he never gave in to them. That's the difference. So, let us then, this is the verse, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So there it is. Let us approach the throne with confidence. Why can we? Because Jesus is our high priest. He's been through it. He knows what you feel. He knows what he was human. He knows what you felt. And, and so he can minister life to you. And we need to throw... The, the, the throne of God is not a scary place. That shouldn't be a scary place to us. People have got this thing of, God, wow, God's scary. God's, wow, he's... Whoa, whoa. He can be like that. But to his children, he's not like that. So as you come by the way of the blood of Jesus, and you say, well, here I come. In your grace, we are to approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might, what? Receive mercy and find what? Grace. Grace to help in time of need. So here's the throne of God. God's presence. We come into God's presence. It's not a scary place. We are asked to become confidently we have the power of the blood of Jesus to cover our sin and let it go. Hallelujah. Just say, Lord, forgive me and cleanse me from this. We come into God and there we find grace to help. We find one, mercy. Two, grace to help. What help do I need? It is there. It is available. If God be for us, who can be against us? His grace is what? Sufficient. sufficient. His grace is sufficient. So, uh, it is a throne, God's throne is not a throne of condemnation. It is a throne of grace. It is a place where God's ability and supernatural grace is most powerful. Yes? Yeah. Revelation 4 and verse 5. I was reading this the other day because our daily reading is in the book of Revelation. In verse 5. Well, it's all about the throne of God. You can read it when you get home. The throne of God, chapter 4, is a description of the, this throne, the throne of grace where we find mercy. And uh, here it is. It's, it's this first, we can start at verse 3. Oh, verse 2, I, I was, once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white, had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. 
Um, also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. So this is the throne of God. And what is before the throne? There is the seven lamps. Or these are the seven spirits of God. Or another version says, they are the sevenfold spirits of God. Now, just like the three in one, there are the seven ministries of the Holy Spirit or seven expressions of the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is in you. Yes. So you say, what are these seven things? And you find this through the book of, your book of Revelation. You'll find these seven, these seven flames, seven spirits uh, uh, before, the, the, the presence, before the throne of God. And we find out what these are when we go back to the Old Testament and the book of Isaiah and we find chapter 11 and verse 1, we find these seven facets of the Holy Spirit. In verse 1 to 4, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. In other words, he, Jesus, the Messiah, was going to come from the house of David Jesse was David's father, and so there is a shoot is going to come up from the stump of Jesse. Yes, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The branch is Jesus, yes. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Now there are seven things mentioned about the Holy Spirit in these next verses. He is the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, he is the Spirit that, that causes us to to recognize Jesus as the Lord of all. He needs to be our Lord. He's not only to be our Savior. He is to be our Lord. And many Christians struggle for years because they receive Jesus as their Savior, but they're not willing to make him Lord of their lives. They want to add Jesus onto the rest of their life, but Jesus has come to take up the center of our lives and to be the Lord of our lives. And many times when you hear people pray, you would think, when you hear them pray, you would think that they were the Lord and Jesus was their servant. Lord, do this. Lord, do this. Help me with this. Lord, do this. Why aren't you doing that? How come you're not there? What's happening there? And, and, and it's not that. We are the servants. Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, and we get it all around. But the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. And then it says... The spirit, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit is wise. He is the spirit of wisdom. You want to know what to do? He's the spirit of wisdom. And he lives in your life. He's there. He knows stuff. And he knows what's happening all around you. He knows the people that you're talking to. He knows what they have need of. He knows where they're at. And he lives in you, and he can help you with words that you would never dream you'd ever say. But you hear them coming out of your mouth, and it's very helpful. He's the spirit of understanding. He understands life situations. He understands what's going on. He understands what's, what's uh, coiling these people up on the inside. He understands what's happened to them uh, over their lifetime. He understands us. And he's there and he ministers from that point of understanding. He is the spirit of counsel. He, 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 is, he is wise. He, has, he, he can advise us. He's called the counselor, the one who draws, the paraclete is the Greek word, the one who draws alongside, the counselor. And he is like that. 
He is, then it goes on, the spirit of counsel and the spirit of power. This, this, this was the anointing that came on Jesus. This was the presence of the spirit of God that came on him. He was the spirit of the Lord. It was the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of, the spirit of power. In other words, he has the power to change situations. He has the power to empower you to do what you wouldn't naturally be able to do. Hallelujah. He is God. He is there. He is the Holy Spirit. It says there, he's the spirit of knowledge. The spirit of knowledge. He knows stuff. You know, when the word of knowledge operates, I've been astounded sometimes when I, God's given me things that has been helpful to people. Helpful, real helpful to people that I would never have known in a thousand years. But, you know, um, but, you know I remember this lady came, because we, we're going to be praying for people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but this lady came forward and was in a Baptist church in Mount Monganui, and I was preaching there on the Sunday. And uh, people came forward for prayer. And this lady came forward and she said to me, she said, um, she said, I, I just, I, I can't get through. I, I'm all locked. I want to be baptized of the Holy Spirit. But she said, I don't get there. People have prayed for me. I don't know what's blocking my life. I don't know what's happened to me. I don't know why. And she, said, well, she would have been in a, a 60 or so. And lovely woman. And, and just, she said, I just... She said, but I need to tell you, she said, I've had, I've had the experts pray for me. I said, well, yeah, right, whatever, you know. In other words, others have tried, good luck to you, mate. And I'm just going to pray for her, and the Holy Spirit shows me a little girl of about six years old, and this little girl is running out of the house. She runs across the veranda, down the steps. I can see it now. Running. Down the across the path, out the gate, across the paddock, out there, and sobbing down to the river, and sitting there and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I said, Look, I said, um, would you mind if I shared something with you? She said, No. I said, When I started to put, began to pray with you, this is what I saw. And she just, tears just started to pour down her face. I said, look, I don't need to know what happened, but your heavenly father knows what happened. And today he's healing you and releasing you from all of that hurt. She said, nobody knows this. I have never told anybody. And she's carried it for now 60 years. Nobody knows what happened that day. I said, Jesus knows. And he loves you. And I release you in the name of Jesus from that hurt. I said, now I'm going to pray for you. Well, I just put my hand on her head. I said, Lord Jesus, now fill her with your Holy Spirit. Well, out of her innermost being came a, fountain, a river of heavenly language that she'd never, and she just began to worship God and was just free. And she had this new language that expressed so beautifully what she was thanking God for, and she was wonderfully 
baptized, immersed, drowned, filled, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And she would just, and afterwards, after everything, she came to me and she gave me a big hug. She said, how did you know? I said, I didn't know. I said, but the Holy Spirit knows. And she said, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. It's interesting. But that's knowledge. The spirit of knowledge is within us. Now, it's not always dramatic as that. It's just when you're talking with someone and you share something and they, oh, that, oh, thank you so much. And it's a key to unlocking them. And then the seventh is the spirit, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. To have a holy, uh, a, a, a healthy fear of God is a good thing. It's the beginning of wisdom. Now, a reverence is the word rather than fear. Fear is scary. And we've just said that the throne of God is not a scary place uh, because of, uh, of the presence and because we have the high priest Jesus there to intercede for us. So it's not. But a healthy reverence for God is an excellent thing. Mm. That we have a healthy respect for God, yes? Mm. Mm. That we trust his word and that he's a good God, but he's a just God. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. And, and, and the, the fear, you know, the fear of my, the reverence, or the fear, actually it was fear sometimes, of my father was enough to keep me on the straight and narrow at home. Yes? If dad said, go put the rubbish out, he only had to say, put the rubbish out. And the rubbish was put out. <laughs> and this was good for me. It was good in my classroom that most of the kids would have a healthy respect for me as their teacher. So that when I said, right, be quiet now and get on with the work, eh? That out of that would quieten down, yes? So there is this understand that God is God. And it's lovely, all the presence and the lovely feeling, but God is still God, and a healthy respect for God is a good thing. So there are, these are the seven spirits that surround the throne of God. The throne is a place where God's ability can easily intervene in any situation that concerns us. If our lives are in a mess, does God say, no, oh no, what a mess. You know, yuck. No, here we receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. See, these seven spirits are before the throne of God. The sevenfold ministry, the spirit, the presence of the spirit of God is when you come into the throne of God, the, the spirit of the Lord is there, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of power are there, is there in that throne room. We can draw near with confidence. We can come to the Lord, get alone with him, consider the power and ability of the Holy Spirit at the throne of God and let him meet your needs. If we do not bring our needs to him, we refuse his ability. He is willing, he is full of grace and mercy, and he lives within us. Hallelujah. And so we just... Need to come. Don't let failure in any area of your life keep you away from the book and the throne room. See, the devil, the devils and our own souls do the double whammy on us. They help us to fail and to sin, and then they pull the double whammy. And then they say, well, because of that, no use you praying, mate. No, you should you read in the Bible, you might as well flag it away for a few days till you recover. And that's what happens to us. Oh man, 
you know, I, I'm, I can't, I'm not going to church today, I feel bad. That's the place you need to be if you feel. And unfortunately, it's not always true. I had, I was talking to some, some friends, and they was just, and, and this, uh, one of their friends, uh, who, was a, who was a doctor in the, in the town, he said, well, I go to church, and he said, I come home feeling worse than when I went. What sort of a church is that? What sort of a ministry is that? But people think that, well, I'm having a bad week. Well, I'm sure not going to church and getting another dose <laughs> of condemnation or of you know putting us down or and, and some preachers do that. But hallelujah. When you come to God, don't stay away from his presence. So if you have a need in sin, his grace is what? If we have a need in sickness, his grace is a need in supply. His grace is sufficient. A need in comfort, his grace is sufficient. A need in weakness, his grace is sufficient. And if you can have faith, mix grace with faith. Hallelujah. Grace and faith. Here is the sufficiency of God. Can I trust him with it? But you might as well. See? Trust him. Let him do it. Don't pack a sad before giving God a chance. And then when you've given them a chance, trust him. Hallelujah. Amen. So Lord, we give you thanks, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live in our lives. We thank you that your ability is sufficient for us. We ask, Lord, that you'll help us to trust you no matter what. And that, Lord, that you have this glorious ability to turn even the worst things to good. You can turn things around, Lord. And you help us in our time of need. I thank you that, Lord, no matter what, we can come into your presence and there we find mercy and there we find the grace of the Spirit of God, hallelujah, to help in the time of need. So help us not to, Lord, stay away from your presence, but come boldly, Lord, time and time again. And so, Lord, when I can't, I know you can. Therefore, Lord, I can do everything that you ask me to with the help of his strength and his power. Lord Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you live in our lives. May we not leave you, Lord, standing in the wings while we strut across the stage of life. But may we invite your presence. May we listen to that inner voice. May we read your word to discover your purpose and your plan, Lord, and your encouragement. So, Lord, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.